married called Sychar. Then the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? The Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for, for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given, him, given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in the in in spring of water welling up to their eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, when you have five husbands and the man you, know, you now have is not your husband, what, what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And for those of you that do not know me, I am Tunde Ordejara. Tunde, if you think of Sunday starting with a T, that's how the name goes, yeah, for those who are not familiar with it. That's how I tend to introduce myself. So I will be speaking today, not preaching, you know, the two are very different. <laughs> um, so before we start, I would just like to like us to pray. Heavenly Father, mighty and victorious, we thank you for bringing us here together today. Um, we can sometimes get wrapped up in what we think is really huge, it's really great, you know, our 20-year plan, our 100-year plan. But as Victor was really describing, life is all about the simple things, man. You know, what really makes life what we live in is just the other things that you've given us. And it's that gift of life here, which we often, you know, take for granted, and sometimes we do not really experience your ability. So I commit this service into your hand. Um, those who are not present here today, Malcolm, Penny, and others who are away, I pray that you be with them. And those of us who are here today, I pray that we will actually find something to learn from your work. And we'll come together and we'll actually feel fired by your work. In your son's mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, um, the passage that um, Elsie read so eloquently. Um, it's John 4, um, verses 4 to 20. And, um, and I'm sure for many of us, it's a verse, it's, it's a story in the Bible that we're very familiar with, because you may be wondering, um, where, where is that from? It was the story of Jesus, you know, sitting by the well and having a conversation with a, uh, with a Samaritan or Samaritan woman. 
uh, I did at all. And just a little bit of context uh, about um, that particular um, conversation. That conversation with Christ, it's one of those few examples in the Bible where you actually have a full conversational flow, seeing Jesus Christ in his element. And every time I think about it, about Jesus, you know, I mean, as a young child growing up in Nigeria, you know, I always think of biblical places as somewhere so far away, somewhere in the clouds, yeah. You know, and even the idea of Jesus, yes, even something that you cannot even comprehend. Something, you know, I don't see him as as a person. It's almost like this thing that just floats around in the cloud. But this particular conversation just brings, you know, the character. You know, you can almost say, you know, this is Jesus. You know, it's it's, it's it brings flesh to the word, yeah, and Christ is Himself, yeah. And this is one of those few examples of him having that conversation. And if, it, if I were a playwright, um, this is an epic, you know, because as, as we are going to find out, um, based on my take on that conversation, it is an epic. Because if you run to the bathroom and you come back, you know, the conversation has already moved to a different part as they keep going. And, and I happened to be on a flight with. Um, with one movie producer like that, and he was telling me the difference between drama and movie, and it was like, a movie, a really good movie is one whereby you're in the cinema, you don't want to go to the bathroom, yes, because if you come back, you've already missed a big chunk here that we will struggle, you know, to catch up with later. And whilst it was like a soap opera, you know, you know how it goes, EastEnders has been going on now for how many years, you know, and I'm sure if you look back on tomorrow, you must still find Phil, Mich- Phil Mitchell there and the full work. So, so it's, it's almost like that. So, now, to, the, um, to what we are talking about today, you know, the title of my message is, you know, do you want to be led by Christ or prefer to manage on your own? Yes. So, a little bit of context about Samaria. Um, as we know, Israel, after the Solomonic law, it got divided into two parts, you know, the northern parts, um, the Assyrians, they pretty much conquered that and that part, and they brought in some foreigners to try and sort of like mix them up a little bit so that you know their influence, the Jewish influence would be reduced. So there was a bit of intermarriage. So so you can imagine, you know, for thousands of years, you know, those people that have, you know, they're not considered pure Jews. Yeah. And there is a very important part in that particular passage. So if we can just go back to the passage. Um, because I think that the important word there is now he had to go through Samaria. That's Jesus, they describe He had to pass through that heart for him to get to where he's going. Because, you know, it, it almost seems like he will prefer, most people will prefer not to pass through Samaria because of this historical context, because they consider this Sumerians to be sort of like, they know them, they're not proper Jews, you know, their beliefs are here a bit warped. But it's all about prejudice, you know. I mean, it, that's their opinion, you know, that's how they think of the Sumerians, yeah. So, so when you think about it, you know, think of a Watford football club supporter having to go to Newton Town, yes, you know. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's almost like we had to, have to. Or, or, or it's, a, it's a Monday morning and, and your commute, you know, is going to follow him 25. I'm sure that's going to be a very happy morning for you, you know. So, so it, it's almost like that, you know, that's, you know, the context here of, of Jesus Christ, you know. Having to pass to Samaria, and also, um, he was thirsty. 
really thirsty. And um, so that part of the world is very similar to the tropics. Yeah? When you were saying, you know, it was it was in the noon, yeah, it was in the afternoon. The sun usually comes up really high. And around 12 noon to 2 p.m. in the tropics, in those parts of the world, like in the desert, you practically hibernating for the, for the day because it's so hot. Yeah. So, so, so the thirst that Jesus had there, you know, he's really thirsty. And he was waiting for someone to give him a drink, yes. And um, and I think that's where even leaders, yeah, you know, when, when, you, when we think of leaders, when we think of people that we follow, it doesn't matter what situation they find themselves in, they still like to be in charge of the situation. And the reason why they want to be in charge of the situation is there's clarity about what they want. Their purpose is very clear to them. And the purpose of Jesus Christ we're going to find out later. And, um, and when you think of leaders, what comes to mind? What, what, what leaders like? Let's, let's pick two leaders, two from the Bible, two from the secular world there. Can someone give you, you know, someone that you consider to be a leader? Yeah, King Saul. King Saul. Okay. Yeah. Another one from the Bible? When you think of a leader? Yeah. Abraham. Okay. You know, and in the secular world, yeah, you know. You haven't got any. <laughs> well, well that's, that's very true. In the secular world, yeah, you struggle to actually come up with a leader. Yes, please. Nelson Mandela. Yes. Elon Musk. Elon Musk, yeah. It's really interesting that, you know, when you ask people in the secular world, you know, who they consider to be a leader, Nelson Mandela's name, yeah, when you do a poll of, let's say, 100 people, 95% of us, it doesn't matter the race, yeah, they will say Nelson Mandela, ultimately. And, and there's something that stands out about him. I think when, when people think of leaders, sometimes we get confused with a bit of managers, yeah, managing. Leadership and management, the two are very, you know, it's very subtle. You know, it's all about authenticity, you know. They're very real. And when we go back to this story about Jesus Christ, he was thirsty. He was noon. His disciples had gone to get food, yes. And he needs a drink. And when Jesus was about to ask that question, he did not say, excuse me. Will you give me a little bit of water? <laughs> he said, Will you give me a drink? Because the water is in the well. So it's not a stream. Like, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's something that will happen later. This woman, she's approaching the well. She's going to draw the water. She's got a thing to draw the water. Those of us who were born in Africa, we know where a well is. Yeah. It's um, for you to fetch water in a well. You usually have like a bucket, or you know, like a metal bucket, with a very, very long rope, yeah? Because this type of well, it's not a spring that is just getting fed by some kind of natural spring. It's, it's, it's usually well dug, and it's rainwater that has collected like, you know, thousands of years that is just sitting right through those rocks, yeah? And then the water swells up, yeah? So that's why you do need a very, very long rope. Yeah, so, 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 it's, so it's almost like you need to have something to draw the water with, and you also need to have a strength as well. 
you know, to be able to pour the water out. So, so Jesus is already, he said, will you give me a drink? Which means, after you fed your water, will you give me a drink? Yes. And that's why when we are Christians, we sometimes, I feel, I, I sometimes feel like I sell myself short today. And, and why I do say this is when I go into Second Timothy, um, verse um, chapter one, verse seven, and there God said, you know, I'm just going to paraphrase here. God said, the spirit that I gave you is not for you to be timid. You know, it's you know, the spirit. You know, He has already given us that spirit. You know, we need to be bold. Yes, and for that, you know, I've given you power of love and self-discipline. And for people to actually see you and say, yes, you know. This person, I'm going to follow him, you know, this is God, you know, I want to be led by God. We need to be bold. And we need to know that God has really given us that power. So, and that's why, you know, Jesus knew what he had. It was like, you know, I'm not going to say, excuse me, you know, do you mind giving me a little bit of water? And, and you know, people, when, when we're speaking, and almost like when you're trying to reach out to people, it's almost like you, you're not even sure yourself here whether you want to reach out or you want to speak. You know, it's, it's almost like, you know, you're just beating about the bush. You know, oh, hi, how are you? You know, um, the sun is, um, what do you think about the weather? And the guy's looking at you weird, like, you know, who's this guy? You know? And he's like, will you give me a drink? You need to be bold. Have we need to have clarity of what we want from God. You know? Yeah. Why are we asking him? And, and, and he said, you know, I've given you that gift. Because second Timothy said that. And Jesus expressed it. And very much when Jesus told his disciples, he said, when he met his first set of disciples, he said, you know, they're fishermen. He said, stop fishing. Follow me. And I will teach you how to be what? Fishes of men. We need to be born. And, he, and I, when I'm looking at this conversation here that Jesus is having, it, it's like a masterclass in how to be bold as a Christian. That we've been given this gift, express it. And most importantly, this gift is not just something that you just do and it just happens. And, you know, somebody said, you know, self-discipline. Discipline. I'm, I try to swim. You know, I, I, that, you know, please, you know, the key word is I try to swim. I didn't say I'm a swimmer. You know, I try to swim, yes, you know. And, but I do not swim really well. I've tried so many times, you know, to pay someone to teach me how to swim, you know. I get in the water, I come up with all my excuses. Like, oh, maybe I've got heavy bones. I mean, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it takes discipline. And for you to be bold, for you to be living in the shadow of Christ, you need to be disciplined. Michael Phelps, swimmer, we all know, I enjoy watching him, you know, when, you know, during, especially during the 2012 Olympics, yeah, because we were spoiled for choice. You were watching the Olympics that time. Swimming was one. And in my head, when I'm in the water, I think, you know, I'm doing awesome things, yeah. But ever always tell me that, oh, you know, you're just, you know, creating a whole mess around me. For my daughter, Amy, she went, she, you know, she learned to swimming. Now, we go on holiday, but goodness me, you cannot get her out of the water. 
You know, when we say, oh, it's time for you to leave the swimming pool, oh, that's when Amy would have come. I've never seen her that satisfied, so pleased with herself as when my daughter is in the water. And when you think of Michael Phelps, you know, he's an Olympic swimmer. The guy who trains like, gosh, you know, he's got like, I think he's one of the most successful Olympian medals, over 20 medals, most of them gold, you know. Half of the US gold, maybe a quarter of it's probably Michael Phelps. <laughs> but this guy, the amount of effort, his diet, he, that's where he calls his routine. Something like maybe six, eight hours of practice every day, not even out of competition. And he's doing it steadily. Even though his wingspan is somewhere close to like maybe two meters, and when you compare that to an eagle, an eagle is more or less the same as well. But still, this one the fact that he's got this gift there of huge wingspan, probably taller than that door entrance, he still puts in the work daily in, day out to get his gift out. And Jesus encourages to very much have that as well. And when I think of myself, you know, how many times do I really step out in faith here, you know, to constantly, you know, exercise that muscle, that muscle gift that God has given me for me to be able to step out and ask someone, will you give me a drink yet, you know? You know, but I'll be like, oh, maybe, yeah, it doesn't look like someone that will give you a drink, you know? It looks like, you know, that, you know, that bucket is a bit too heavy for her. Maybe I'll just wait for the next person. Yeah, but, but, but Jesus, he, he did not want us, you know, to be like that. He, he's like, if you want to be lame, what do you want to be managed? Because when I start to rationalize, yes, you know, that's where management comes in. And I always think manage was a very good word, yeah. And that's the beauty of English language. You know, there's Oxford Dictionary, there's Cambridge. It gives you the meaning of that word, yeah, the origin. And, and manage is almost like you coping you to survive. Like Victor was sharing this experience, you know, coping with everyday life, yeah. <coughs> you know, until he decided to come pray and say, you know what, God just did this for me. You know, and that's what, when we, you try to do, when I try to do things on my own, you know, I'm almost managing this, you know. And, um, and this very interesting passage, yeah, it keeps going on. Because the response that the woman gave Jesus, yeah, was probably not what a normal person would expect, you know, because she said, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman. It's almost like, how dare you ask me for a drink, yeah? Like, we've got this generational feud yeah, that has been going on, that whereby we do not mix, yeah? And you, are you trying to be funny here, you know, with me, to ask me for a drink? And, and I think for me, this is often where I fall short uh, when I feel like, oh yes, you know, I've got the energy I can get, get going now, I want to be led by you, then you hit real world evidence, uh, you know, like they say, you know, you have a plan, then, you know, you actually put that plan into practice and human content, you know, the reality, what makes it human content. And this woman is telling Jesus that, you know, I'm not giving you a drink. It's pretty much what she is saying, you know. It's hot anger. It's new. I'm not 
talk, the, the purpose of my speaking here is not really to talk about the Samaritan woman or actually because that part of the scripture we all very much know that you know, already but for me the, the core essence is you know when you are trying to get your message across to God, to people when you try to lead a life that is scripture there you are going to encounter some challenges, yeah. ultimately you are. And, and those challenges you're going to encounter, it's really important that we understand how to go through them. And going through them does not require to rationalize or minimize here, yeah. because this woman, she is not planning to give Jesus a drink yeah, from that answer that she gave, yes, you know. And that's often where opinions, arguments really sets in. And secondly, you know, my second message here is when you have a thirst, yeah, when you have a need in your life, yeah, and you really want that glory of God to really shine, it's not time to rationalize it. You do not have to minimize the other person's feeling. Because what that woman felt, you know, she is right, yeah, but she's like, Samaritan, Jews, we're separate, and I'm not going to give you a drink. So what are you going to do? And this is where leaders, those who want to go on to the lead, yeah, those who are leaders, and those who want to be led, comes together. Because a leader, Jesus Christ had it in his mind all along, I'm quite sure, as we'll find out at the end of the at the end of the passage, it wasn't really about the drink of Jesus, you know. It was about something bigger. And as Christians, yeah, we, when we think about how to daily interacting with people, when I think, I should be thinking, oh, this is not really about this, you know, getting things. It's really about a much higher problem. And when we're looking to get people to see that bigger, understand that bigger picture, acknowledging what they are going through, it's very easy for one to really fall into that trap saying, oh, you know, I understand we Jews and Christians do not get along, but you know what, I'm kind of different, you know. It's, it's you know, some people people will do that, oh, I'm different, you know, I've, um, I've got a very different approach. By the way, I'm even married. You know, people start giving you, they start rationalizing, they start giving counteracting. But Jesus did not do that. He did not. Because that's you trying to manage the situation. That's coping. You know, it's you know, you started well by reaching out, doing the right thing, but now you, you, you know, when you now start starting to come up with adding the support, then you start losing that conversation. Jesus was not arguing here at all. He was not arguing with the woman. And and leaders, those who want to be led by God. They understand the difference between what people, what feelings and words are. And I had this conversation with some of my friends when we were still bachelor. It was, then we were single, and you'd be asking, say, oh, you know, that girl that you spoke to, you know, how does she, who does she, who does, what does she want? And, and some of them would be like, uh, my friend would be like, oh, you know, the girl, she said, oh, she wants a guy that is very funny, that has a job. You know, loves her. Uh, um, 
Yeah, I think the number one thing that most of the girls and those in that time, like 20 years ago, when it was very funny. Someone was lively. And I and someone would be like, they, they, it seems like, and then Chris Rock was quite the guy then. Chris Rock, you know, was a big comedian. People love his joke. And we would just be like, he just need a comedian. They're not looking for a guy, you know. They're just looking for a comedian. Somebody to just make him laugh, you know. They don't want to get married. Because all you just need, just get yourself a stand-up comedian, you have him at home, you know. Just not. But often what happens is the part of the brain I understand that controls emotions and feelings, yeah, it's often different to the part that controls words, yeah. It is very different. That's why I'm in Nigeria, I can speak Yoruba, that's my local language, naturally, perfectly. But my kids, yeah, they cannot speak it. But they understand what is right, what is wrong, they know how they feel without using any word. If somebody says or does something to them that they do not like, they, they knew how to express it before they learned how to speak. Yeah. So, how people, how they felt, yeah, what's really affecting them, is fundamentally the words that people spew out, yeah, what they say. And has husband and wife, some of those who have been married, those who have been married for very long, I wouldn't put myself in that category. You know, you have the situations whereby you're having the conversation with your wife and suddenly the conversation start going down the rabbit hole and you're like, how did we get here? And you'd be like, oh well, what I did was I did not put the cup where you asked me to put the cup. Yes. Uh, but now you are saying that I've done this a million times at other times, and you're like, I'm just, can we stick to the cup? Oh, no, 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 we can't stick to the cup. Yes, no, no. It's about other things. And that's where rationalization really comes in. You, you, you're starting to look for words yeah, to ultimately express how you feel. And it's, that's how it's so easy for you to actually get into that argument. And Jesus was not doing that. And Jesus said, if you need the gifts, of God, yeah. And who is asking you for a drink? You are asking me for a living water. Jesus, Jesus just, you know, just completely ignored, you know, all that message about age-old feud, you know, Assyrians and conquering Jews, bringing foreigners in. Jesus just moved that aside. And when we are led by Christ, you, you will not be adequate. You will not be coming for a way to cope with the situation. One is really going to be led by the Spirit of God, yes. And you're going to ask, and, and we're not going to be coping, you know. And what does this gift, you know, this gift, this living water, what, what does it actually mean? And in Psalm 42, um, it's not as like, we, we, Psalm 42, um, it is there, and I'm going to. Um, just briefly talk about it. And it's all about looking for water, actually. You know, that, that was what David was, was saying here when he was um, talking about water. So Psalm 42. He said, as the deer Longs for streams of water, 
So I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? And considering the significance of that well, that's, you know, this was a well that Jacob, many, many years ago, thousands of years ago. So, so Jesus is probably assuming that you know, this woman, the David, had this knowledge of, the, um, of, 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 um, of David. Because the water that Jesus was talking about here, this woman was thinking about normal water that she wanted to drink, that Jesus is asking for. God is now taking the conversation to something that there is more higher, living water to God. And, and that's where when you want to meet people, when you are a leader, you call people to something higher than them. And that's how people coalesce, you know, behind that idea that such a person embodies you. And going a little bit about the example of Nelson Mandela, he was not actually the only one that was in prison for 20-something years. You know, that part, I don't think not many, many of us probably do not realize that, you know. Mandela, there were quite a lot of them that were shot, you know, put in jail in Rhode Island for that long. But his followers, you know, they recognized the idea of sacrificing themselves and putting Nelson Mandela as an idea that everyone must follow. And that was what really makes their movement very, very effective, you know, over the years. And this is what Jesus was doing here. Jesus was saying, you know, this woman, if I keep talking about water, I can, she's not going to listen. Let me let her realize what is really bigger than her, which is the living water. But this woman, she reminds me of Nigerian market women. They are relentless, you know. They are not easy people to deal with at all. Because you know, they know their craft and they want the best value. And the woman told her, she said, you have nothing to draw water with. Because it was like, okay, you think you're smart? You're going to try and tell me about some living water so you can get my water from the well? No. You have nothing to draw with. And this well is deep, yes. And let me show a picture of the well here. Yes. Yes, you know. So, so, so the woman, that this probably it would be a well that would look like this, yeah. Probably not too dissimilar to this. So Jesus probably sitting around there, waiting himself for this woman to come. And, and I'm just imagining because I can imagine at this point in time the woman was like really put whatever she's trying to use to fetch the water down, and they're now having a very deep conversation. And the woman is telling Jesus. This well is deep, and you have nothing to really help yourself here. And at this point, it's probably whereby the point where I will just fold and say, Ah, you know what, this, this argument has just been going on for too long here. All I just need is just water. All I just need is just for you to follow God. Yeah? Why are you so difficult today? And and I remember when this was like many, many, about 10, 11 years ago in Harrow, me and some brothers, um, we met on a Saturday um, in the expectation that we were going to reach out to um, this person who, I can't remember if he was Sikh or Muslim, 
it was myself, Bodei, and Barney, Ajetumabi. We all met this guy and we thought, you know, we were going to, you know, this is the day we were going to show this guy, you know, what, what you know, what the Bible is, yeah. So we noticed, of course, you know, in the street, someone reached out to him, his attention. And when this guy showed up, he showed up with books, with books. It was like a panel. He sat on that side, we sat on this side here. Yeah. We were facing each other. There and then, I knew that this is not, we're not reaching out here. <laughs> no, no, this guy is not planning for any reaching out to us. And, um, and being a young Christian at that time, I was very eager and, you know, I was like, forget about all this you're saying, you know. This is what the Bible says, yeah. And the guy was like, the time between Moses and Jesus was this thousand years. I was like, okay, yes. And this guy was just quoting facts, yeah. So it was facts versus counterfacts. And we were just going round and round and round and round in circle. Didn't really get anywhere at all. Nowhere. Because it was all about, and often when people set up on the path of an argument, they start stating their views and their opinions. In my short life, I discovered that no amount of arguments can make anyone change their opinion, yes, of what they think. You could try all day, because, as you said one time, because some of the people, you know, what they express in like this woman who knew that you know, Jews and Samaritans should not really live together, just like certain Muslims who think that Bible is not the true word of God that you know is being diluted. They, some of them, they, they have those beliefs. Yeah, you know, that's their opinion. You can be hurt. There is, you cannot change those. You know, you want to reach out to someone to get them to actually see the grace of God. They've already got their own set opinion that you know I've got a life I want to live. Yeah, and I'm not ready for someone to actually mix it up for me by asking me to be revealed now. They've already got that opinion, and you cannot change that with you coming up with facts and counteracting it to the day all day long, yes. And Jesus was not doing that. Because he's already he's already told his followers that you know I am going to teach you how to be followers of men. How to be um, um, right fishes of men rather. And and the and the way to, for you to do that mm-hmm. is not by picking up an apple, it's by being very clear and laser focused in terms of our purpose as Christians. Which is, we need to bring people to the fold. Yes. We're not there to condemn them or to judge them. We need to be clear on our message. And that message has to be consistent. And that consistency, Jesus, you know, scriptures telling us, you know, we need discipline for that to happen. We need to trust God. We need to keep doing day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we train to be a living king, yes, you know, every single day. You know, we need to find our joy to keep doing it. And this, the conversation got really interesting because the woman said, um, the, the, next, um, the next chapter, please, yeah. Jesus was like, everyone who drinks this water will not thirst. And the woman was telling Jesus from if we, if we follow the, the chain of the conversation started, will you give me water? 
then was no another water. Then it was, you have nothing to even get any water at all. So I'm not, I'm definitely going to give you water. And slowly the conversation was moving to, where can you get this living water that you're talking about? You can see the shift in the heart, in the mind of this woman that Jesus was able to get to by not demeaning her, by not trying to come up with a counter narrative of what right you be or wrong you be. It would be she, she's winning her building. And there is a part when we were, when you when you become a Christian and repentant, we talk about metanoia, which is a change of heart, a change of thinking. And such a change of thinking and a change of mind, this almost like a significant transformation that this Samaritan woman went through, it's quite huge. It's massive. Because all because Jesus was showing us, and I'm sure you know, Jesus purposely picked this particular conversation. Take this particular route, yes. Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. He could have gone through some gone another place. Jesus could have made water gushing out of that well if he wants to. In the middle of the desert sun, you know, hot, you know, noon, Jesus was there with him. Because he, he wants to demonstrate and show us, you know, what, if, what it is like for you to genuinely, really, rather than you trying to coach, you know, for you to actually, what is eternal life? He was like, no water. Now, where can I get this living water? Because there, 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 there is a shift. Because there is mutual respect. Jesus was not condemning the woman. Far from it. And, and now, when Jesus was able to get his message across to, to this woman, there starts to be honesty. Coming to terms with who she really is, yes. Because now when Jesus, Jesus was able to hook this woman and say, you know, I've got you now. You know, you, I've, got your, I've got your attention. From where is it? Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty anymore. Because when we look at Psalm 42, we're saying, as the deer longs for water, Thirst for God. It's almost like this woman, she's panting and beginning, panting for the because she could see that, you know, I'm in the presence of something phenomenal here. And she said, and Jesus now wanted to demonstrate his glory there and then. She asked the woman, she said, because she, she didn't, Jesus did not say, oh, now this is how we get the living water. No, it was one. Go, call your husband and come back. I think it's probably a test to just say, you know, this particular woman, is she really willing? Actually, because she wants to get the, you know, she wants to get this water, she wants to receive God in her life, and that's why I'm clear. But let me test her a little bit. And the woman replied, I have no husband. And that's sincerity. Because when we need, when it's time for us to follow God, and we want to be led by him, when we, when we feel tired, you know, trying to just survive, being in survival mode, that's when all 
scale, all our grievances, we drop it completely because we surrender. And you know, this woman, without her realizing, I think at that point that was where she surrendered. She was like, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right. You have no husband. The fact is, you have five years. But that was not really the purpose of this conversation that Jesus was having with her. It wasn't about how many number of husbands she's had in the past. But it was that surrender, you know, this woman's spirit was very much at one with God at this point in time. And, and that was the, 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 the you know, the mighty drop moment where the woman said, Sir, I can see that you are the prophet. And when we follow the rest of the commandment, the rest of the story in the Bible, we saw amazing things that this woman did. Yeah. What Jesus did, you know, they were all converted. However, when we want to be led by God, this is where I'm going to wrap up my message. Um, it's about consistency and having that clarity that, you know, God and what Jesus represents is really what we are doing, what we're doing. If that's, I, I tell myself, you know, that's the challenge I take myself to every single day. Because if, I, if I'm able to do that, then when the situation actually arrives, yeah, I will not be coaching, I will not try to be managing the liar, I will stay true to the message. Because the discipline is there, day in, day out. And I can see the result of God really helping me every single day. Stepping, myself stepping out in faith and seeing that result in my life, yeah, it's almost become a muscle that's Get stronger every single day. But, you know, those of, those of you who are into workout, I am not into workouts. You know that every single time you know that you do your training, your muscle get. They tell you that your muscle gets stronger. You can lift bigger weights. You can, you know, and you see the results, and you're happy about it. I think that that's what Jesus is, is saying here, and and Jesus is saying, come to me now. Leave all your coping mechanisms aside. Yeah. You know, leave it. Leave it. You do not have to keep coping. I can, I can handle this for you. Because how we keep coping, it just means we are moving ourselves away from God. Because yeah, we're not trusting Him. We're not allowing Him to be just. And I hope when we stop that, we can have this well encounter that we have with Jesus here. Yeah, we can have such an encounter in our day-to-day lives when we with our family, with our friends, with strangers that we want to reach out to them to Christ. Because it just becomes a lot easier. Because with God, I say everything is possible. Jesus knows that. And with that, I am going to end my message. And um, let us bow our heads and pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the blood of the Son that you've given us to wash away our sins. And ultimately, as, as your children, we come before you every single day, thirsting for this eternal life, for this living water that you've already given us. And we want to be led by you. And we commit everything we do into your hands. And we pray that you give it to us all the, all the time. 
you know, given us the power and the strength yeah, to have that devotion towards you, to have that devotion encourage us so that we may stay steadfast in our belief in what your power can deliver in our lives yeah, and the effect that we may have on people all around us. Um, as I pray for the bread and the wine that we're about to share, I pray that um, we find that strength in you all the time in God. And we just do not take the bread just as something that we do on Sunday. It's something that we take with us beyond this, beyond Sunday, beyond just the weekday. It's something that becomes part of our daily routine, oh God. In the sun's mighty name, I pray. Amen.